You're listening to the Small Business Talk podcast with Kathy Smith. Small Business Talk is a podcast for business owners and entrepreneurs who want a better way to run their businesses without spending years doing it the hard way. Small Business Talk is hosted by Kathy Smith, who has run the same marketing agency for more than 17 years and helped hundreds of business owners achieve their marketing goals. Welcome to Small Business Talk, episode 123. It's winter down here in the Southern Hemisphere and pretty chilly for us, not like you guys where you have snow, but 7 to 9 degrees centigrade top temperature is cold for us. So I thought today we would do a best of. We would pick one from the summer series that I did back in January when it was beautiful and warm and we were absolutely enjoying our time on holidays. So you guys in the Northern Hemisphere, that's what you're probably doing, heading towards your summer holidays and having beautiful warm weather. So today we can all dream about the sun and the summer and it just being carefree and fabulous. So the one I've chosen from our summer series is websites. Do we really need them? This was recorded back in January 2021, and we had a few tips to see how the year was going to go and a few suggestions. So I hope you enjoy this best of series. Well, probably only be a best of because it will be back to our normal format next week. Anyway, check it out. Enjoy it. Love to hear your feedback. In the era of social media being a thing, a new platform popping up every five minutes, you might be wondering if having a website is what you really need. And if you are going to have a website, or you should be having a website, how do you make it work for you? There is a guru on every corner pushing their favourite platform, system, hack and more. So where do you turn for advice? Now that is a question that's hard to answer because the social media and the web design development industries are all unregulated. And what this means is that anybody can set up business. They can do a post, a landing page, a webinar and say that they're an expert. Some of these people have been doing it for years, others only five minutes. And often the information that they give is outdated or just plain wrong. The information given is often given with the best intentions. As a digital industry, and Google in particular, moves at a lightning speed, you just have to keep up. But back to the question of where do you go for advice? You need to do your research. You need to go by track record, previous customer recommendations, and most of all, your gut. If it feels wrong, it generally is. So why should you have a website in 2021? Well, you wouldn't renovate a home that you were only renting, would you? And building your business wholly or predominantly on a platform that you have little control over is just like that. And it's the recipe for disaster. A lot of business owners are still doing that. Late 2019, early 2020, there was hundreds of Facebook and Instagram accounts that were closed overnight without warning. These people just about lost their businesses and in some cases, unfortunately, they did lose their businesses. Their ability to generate income had gone 
After years of hard work, overnight it just disappeared and there was no recourse and no way back. Other things that have happened is that platforms have become no longer the thing. Something new's come and suddenly all those years you spent on that platform, now you've got nothing. So the way to solve that is by having a well-designed and functioning website. That means you have control over your business exposure on digital. And what is a well-designed and functioning website, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you did. In today's summer series, we are replaying episode 79, Website Essentials That Your Website Really Needs by Kathy Smith. Oh, yes, that was me. I was interviewed, so I hope you enjoy this, having it turned the tables and having me be the special guest. This will be the last in our summer series and next week we will go back to our normal format of a solo episode with me and then interviewing a guest and having a chat. Sorry to our American, Canadian and Northern Hemisphere listeners that we've been teasing you with our summer series as it's 34 degrees centigrade here or about 93 degrees Fahrenheit and it's a beautiful summer day. So I feel for you in your winter but soon we'll be heading that way and you'll be having the summer. Enjoy the last of our summer series. Here we go, back to the show. Let's talk about the five essential things that your website really needs. Today, we're going to do it a bit differently. I'm going to put my other hat on, my Catco Enterprises hat, where I'm a web designer and a digital marketing agency owner. So today, I'm going to introduce you to Tasha Kershaw, who is my admin assistant, and she's actually going to interview me. So I'm going to be your special guest today. So here we go. Thank you, Kathy. And I think that's such a wonderful idea to turn the tables today and share with your listeners your insights and your business knowledge on the topic, the five critical elements of a website. So Kathy, for those listeners, what would you say are the must-haves of a website? So the very first thing you need in a website is to make sure that your message is clear. There's nothing worse than doing a Google search and ending up at a website and then not really being sure whether they can help you or not. Then the second thing is making sure that you have easy navigation. If people are confused, then they will just hit that back button and be gone before you know it. So make sure that your hierarchy of your navigation, so the listings that come under your main points, are really clear and easy. So on your navigation, you need to look at having a home button. So once they're off the home page, they can always come back. Now, it has been quite trendy to put the home button under the logo, but people actually want to see the home button, and so does Google. Another thing that's become quite trendy over the years is to take off the contact button and hide it down the bottom. Now, unless you're a really huge, big website, Google doesn't like that either, and it just makes it hard for people to contact you. I think that's so true, Kathy, with the contact button. It may be an on-trend, but I guess if you think before websites were a really big way to promote your business, you wouldn't give someone your business card that didn't have your contact details on. So thinking of a website, yeah, you people need to know how to contact you. So that's great. So besides the navigation and the listings and the contact that you were saying, 
What would your advice be for someone who maybe doesn't yet have a website? What would they have to think of when trying to work out what to include? So definitely the contact's important and a lot of people don't actually put their phone number on it. So people want to contact you. If they're on your website, they want to know more information or often they just want a phone number so that they can ring you. So that would need to go right up the top and preferably on the right-hand side. So if you don't have a website, you really need to be checking on what kind of design you're going to put and make sure that you can add a phone number. The next thing is thinking about services and products that you offer. Most websites are found by Google search. So how can you be found? So if you haven't got your products listed, then it's going to make Google very difficult to be able to send traffic to those products. So with your content and your services and products that you're offering, make sure that you actually have the benefits and a little description about each, not just a list. Because Google works on words and word matching. So it wants to make sure that whatever you're saying will match their search. So if you've just got a list of brand names or products and not much else, then there's not a lot of things for Google to go on. So they'll tend to look at another website that's got more content. And that's been a real problem in the last few years because people want minimalistic designs. So they want it to be nice and clean and simple just with a few images. But then Google can't tell whether they should be sending the viewer to your website or to somebody else's website because they all look much of a muchness. And at the end of the day, Google wants their customers, the people doing search, to have a good customer experience. And if they're bouncing straight back out of your website, then Google will think that they're not having a good customer service experience. So put some information on there as well. That's so true, Cathy. And it's really important, the focus there, um, the message that we got from you was that to make sure you've got the right keywords. You can still have minimal content on your page, but you have to have enough that when people do go searching, they're going to know who you are, what you do, whether it be your services or your products and what you do offer. So making sure what content you do is going to add value and is going to be of use so that people do stay on your website. It's almost like people don't know what your business offers until you tell them. So you're using your website to advertise that to them. And that's just such a great point because you might think that it's industry norm that everybody does home delivery or everybody does 24-hour service or they do pick up or whatever it is in your particular industry that's the normal. But remember that people looking for you and your services generally won't know that much about your industry. So they don't know what is the industry norm. So you can actually be different from your competitors by just telling people what the industry norm is and saying, yes, we do do 24-hour service, we do do emergencies, we do do home deliveries or whatever it might be. Yes. And I guess if you are offering a product on your website as well, this would work the same way. People don't know what you sell. It would be like going into a department store and them having products locked away in the storeroom that you couldn't actually see. But then if you ask them, they would say, yeah, we do sell them. So thinking of your website as almost your shop front, if you do sell products, making sure people know everything that is on offer. 
And even listing those brand names, if that's something that you're able to do, being a supplier, because quite often people will search by a particular brand name. You know yourself, if you've got a great microwave or a toaster or something that you've really liked, even after it's done its dash and you need to buy a new one, quite often you will then buy the same brand. So if you're selling brand name products, make sure if you've got permission that you can actually list those as well by brand name. Great. Now, Kathy, what about for people who do already have a website, but they would like to upgrade it? What would be the must-haves to ensure that they have to add to their website? Or what would you suggest for people looking to upgrade a website are the critical elements to be? So the very first thing, if, if you have an old domain name that you've been using for quite a while, even though you want a brand new website, make sure you still keep using that URL, that domain name because that carries a huge amount of weight with Google. So make sure even if you're going to change something and quite often people like to use shorter domain names, make sure you do keep the old one because that's got a lot of Google juice on it and Google will highlight that. So things to think about are clean designs, things that are easy to read. So as soon as they hit onto that homepage, they know exactly who you are and what you do. Easy navigation that we've spoken about before, contact details, and really clear, high-quality images because a lot of people are visual and a photo is so much quicker for people to process than words. You still need the words for Google and you still need the words for people who prefer to read, but really high-quality, clear images is missing from a lot of websites these days. And I think with that also, Kathy, I know from personal experience, you might be looking at a business's website and depending on which device you are actually looking at it on, it does actually look very different or the information is laid out differently. So what would you say in terms of the images? Um, would you say that's an important aspect to make sure that it's compatible with no matter what device you're viewing your website on as well? Absolutely. And that's got a lot to do with the way the website's built. Depending on who you're using, whether you're doing it yourself or getting an agency to do it, make sure that it is mobile responsive and check on both Android and iPhone because sometimes it can look different. The other thing is that if you have wording on those images, be careful where you put that because quite often on a mobile device that will be cut off or it might overlay the image far too much and all you can see is the wording and you lose the graphics underneath. So definitely be aware of that and do make sure that you check it on a few different devices to see what it's going to look like. Yeah, great advice, Kathy, because it is true we are all looking at different times. There's maybe someone who uses their mobile to search businesses, whereas there might be other people who only use their desktop or use a laptop, so to speak. So yeah, such great advice. And also, Kathy, um, when it comes to the other must-haves, is there anything else we haven't covered off that you think the listeners would need to know of what to include? The last point that we did touch on was high-quality images. Make sure that your images are high-quality in the format but not the size. You don't want huge file sizes, particularly now that we're loading a lot on mobile. And unfortunately, with NBN, it's not always as good a quality. And Remembering, of course, that you might be attracting people from all over the world to your particular services, depending on what you do. So it needs to be high quality, but fast loading. So you need to have small file sizes. 
think about that. And if you need help, then you need to talk to a digital agency or sometimes a photographer can help you there as well. In order to get those high quality images as well, Kathy, it's probably important for our listeners to remember that most of us are visuals. Most people are visuals. So you will have the content on your website, but the pictures is what grabs their attention and makes them keep reading on. The high quality images, it may even be worth them investing in getting them done professionally or making sure they have a small portfolio of really great images that they can use on their website that are going to keep readers uh, attracted and get them to want to keep reading more about the product or the service that they offer. Yes, definitely. And you can't just Google a photo and then put it on your website. There's lots of stock photo places available but the best is real. So if you can actually have photos of your business, your products, and preferably with somebody using them. So if you're like a shoe shop and you've got people walking down the beach or having fun and doing sport or whatever kind of shoes that you sell, that's going to be far more appealing than just a single shoe sitting on top of a box on your website. So think about trying to use photos in situ, in places, and if it's something that creates fun and excitement, in that sort of thing. So you can't just Google the particular brand that you've got and use that unless you've got actual access to the brand images from the supplier. So just be careful there. Now with free stock photos, check on the terms and conditions because quite often you can use them free for personal use but you may not be able to use them for commercial use. And if you are using the free ones, try to search through them a bit and not just take the first ones that land on the first page because what you'll find is everybody's doing that. So your wonderful photo of the baby crawling across the floor now becomes a carpet cleaning one. It becomes uh, all sorts of different areas and it will knock your credibility down where people see that same baby three or four times on different websites. So definitely go for real and it's definitely worth investing in some of the paid stock photos and make sure you keep that documentation to prove that you did pay for them and you do have access to the copyright to use those. Thank you, Kathy. Now, we were talking before about the importance of having your contact information on your website. What do you think on having something like a contact tab? So you've got your email address, you may have your phone number, but do you think it is good having a linked tab where they just press contact us to get back to your the business owner? When you're thinking about the contact tab, there's a couple of things you can do there. You can have it set up as a form so that people have to add their first name, last name, phone number. Sometimes you can even ask them how they found you or how you can help them, particularly if you have a few different services. Now, that can be a little bit of a pain in the butt for people to do, but it means that they're actually interested and it will help to reduce the spam of people just having the computers run spam bots for you or just people sitting there spamming you all day. Now, the other thing is please don't publicly view your email as a clickable link because it's really easy for people to email you, which is great, but it's also easy for the spammers. So if you do need to have your email displayed, make sure it's an image so that people can see it, but they can't click straight through. They do have to then type it in. 
So that's the best way to do it. Yeah, for, forms are a bit of a pain, but they certainly get you better quality leads. That's great. And those leads are so important because the product or the service that the person's inquiring about, you may not be the right fit for them then, or they may change their mind. But later on, you may be able to use those leads to go back to if you were offering a special on a product they were interested in. Is, is, could you use them for that? Yes, as long as they've opted in and given you permission. So on that form, you need to have a little opt-in and it must be an opt-in, not an opt-out to say that by using that form that they do follow your terms and conditions. And that's another thing that you need to add to your website is make sure that you do have a privacy page and a terms and conditions so that people that are filling in those forms, they have given you consent. So you can then use that to email back to them, but you can't sell that and you can't use it for any other purpose. So if you have a second business or if you've collected those emails in regards to an association, then you can't use it for your private business. You can only actually use it for what it is that they intended on doing. And the other thing there is that people have a buying cycle. So depending on what you're selling is how long it takes for people to buy. So if you're buying a toaster, you might check a couple of times and then go straight online or go into the shop and buy it. Whereas if you're buying a house, that may take months and months of research and checking your finances and all of that. So quite often people are at different stages at their buying cycle and some people just need a lot more information. By having some sort of opt-in and then giving them some information, so like an ebook or a video course or something like that where they can learn more about you, that's going to create trust and that's also going to help them get over that buying area and be more ready to buy with you. So definitely nurturing your email list is a wonderful way to increase sales. That's great, Kathy. And of course, it's in doing the all important building relationships with your customers as well and retaining the relationships for existing customers. So Kathy, we've got a website and visually and content wise, it has all the elements that it should have. What about if you're thinking of the back end of the website? What things should it have to make sure that Google's going to find your website and you're going to be redirecting or directing people to it? So the first thing that you need to think about with that content on the front is make sure that you only have one idea per page. Sometimes people get a bit excited about their products and they want to put everything on one page. Now you can group like things together, but if you're say a cleaning supplier and you've got mops and you've got cleaning products and you've got waste paper baskets and you've got all sorts of different things, then Google's going to have a really hard time knowing what that page is about. So the first thing you need to do is have one keyword and maybe a couple of associated keywords on that page. Then you need to look at the back end and what's called SEO, which is search engine optimization, and make sure that all of that has been done correctly. Now that's another topic in itself and we could go on for that quite a bit, but just be aware that you do need to have some information in the back of your website. So your metadata, your meta descriptions, that sort of thing, um, make sure that's filled in too. Maybe that could be a topic for another time. You could be the guest speaker again, Kathy. Maybe we could. <laughs> well, Kathy, it's been great to turn the tables today and get your valuable information. How can our listeners find out more information about having a website built or rebuilding their website? 
So that would be with my other hat, which is Catco Enterprises. So catco, C-A-T-C-O-E-N-T dot com dot A-U or listen to our Small Business Talk podcast or check me on the socials under Catco Enterprises on most of them except for Twitter because Twitter was too long so it's Catco Enterprise without the S. Thank you for that. Now, Kathy, there's no getting away with not doing the final five, which is the way you end all of your podcasts. Oh. So today we're going to ask you the final five to finish off with. So I'm going to start by asking you, what's the best advice given to you by a mentor? I would have to say, get over yourself and just do it. Absolutely. And what is the biggest help that you have received since starting your business? I was really lucky when I started my business because it was pre-internet and we just started getting emails and I had a friend whose husband was a lawyer. She was a lawyer herself as well and the husband actually put it out on his email list that if somebody was looking for a print broker because that's what I started my business at right back way back when almost 20 years ago that I was the person to speak to. Now that sounds like such a small thing today because we would do it all the time but at the time it was huge because nobody did that and it wasn't the way it was done and that gave me a really good start to the business so I'll always be thankful for you JB. Really appreciate it. Great. Now, what is the one thing that you have to do every day? If there was a non-negotiable, what would that be for you? Exercise, either going out to my shed and working in my home gym or taking my dog for a walk. I really get quite grumpy if I don't get to do some exercise, so definitely exercise. Yeah, it's such a benefit both um, emotionally, mentally and physically, isn't it? Definitely. And what is your favourite business book and why? My favorite business book has got to be The Go-Giver. And now there's also The Go-Giver podcast and it has um, several other Go-Giver books. But it's basically a parody about man who looks up to a mentor and wants to learn how to sell. And the, the mentor sends him on all sorts of different tasks, nothing to do with selling, but he just can't believe how many sales comes in. And it's all about giving to receive. And I think that's great. And a lot of people forget that they need to receive as well. So you can give, 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 but if you don't receive, then it won't be reciprocal. And that's when you'll find it hard to sell. And finally, Kathy, you've been running your own successful business for 19 years now, but what do you wish you had known when you started out? Oh, so many things have changed. We had Emma Carver on the Small Business Talk a few months ago now and one of the things she said was to have confidence in yourself and I think that's probably a a really good tip is just have confidence in your ability that you can do it or you can work it out or that you can find somebody who can help you. So yeah, have confidence and just go for it. Wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure to turn the tables today, Cathy, and to hear your valuable insights. Excellent. Thank you, Tasha, for being our host today. We really appreciate that. And I hope this has been great. And next week, I'll be back doing a a solo episode. So if you would like me to discuss anything, don't forget to drop a comment or go to our Facebook page, Small Business Talk. Drop a comment there and let us know what topics you would like to hear. So until next week, stay safe and we'll see you again then. Bye. 
don't forget to subscribe to Small Business Talk podcast and head on over to smallbusinesstalk.com.au forward slash downloads for all the show notes and links to this episode. Remember, to be great, you must start. Pick one tip from today's episode, take action and implement it. Let's meet again next week at the same time and place. Until then, take action. And SBT community, enjoy your journey.